I said in the early service, I was glad all the guys came back after I was so hard on you last week. Uh, maybe you came back to see if I would be hard on, on the ladies today. Well, guess what? I am going to be. No, not, hopefully not be hard on the ladies. But we want to talk about the R word. And uh, we let the cat out of the bag early last week, so everybody knows what it is now, right? What's the R word? Responsibility. Boy, you said that with about as much enthusiasm as you do have for having responsibility. But everybody has responsibility. We don't want it. Everybody has it. We don't want it. But we want the other person to have it, right? Um, you know, and we kind of do this thing that we, you know, if you're supposed to do something for me, I want you to be responsible. But if I'm doing something for you, uh, unless I get a better offer in the next couple of days, I'll do it for you, right? We, we don't want responsibility, but we want everybody else to have it. Well, the, the beginning of this sermon series uh, really started with, in my heart, with uh, me and God talking about it and really about just where, why it was so needed for our church. Where we're at in our church, I mean, we're still a young church, a new church, got a lot of new folks, a lot of new people, and still uh, got some uh, first-time attenders this morning, glad that you're here. And listen, let me tell you this, you, you may, you know, just walking in for your first time, you may think we've got it all together. We've got lots of holes we're still looking for people to fill, so just hang on, just, just go ahead and just make this home and just hang with us. We'd love to have you help us. But where we've got to, what we've got to have to be able to go to our next level, our next step, is we've got to have more people that are responsible. Uh, there's another word. It's a C word. You know, anybody got any idea what I'm talking about there too? Commitment. You know, we, we don't like that word, do we? You know, commitment as well. But you got to have that. You know, I told last week we had several leaders or several new, uh, I think we had about 20, 20 folks that are, are kind of new people that are wanting to get involved in leadership, met with them last Sunday afternoon. And one of the things I told them is every Sunday we're going to have tourists to come to Church 2911. I mean, they're going to come in, you know, just kind of check things out, say, oh, that looks nice, and oh, that's pretty, and oh, y'all did a good job. Oh, this is so wonderful, and all this. And, and tourists, you know, they come, they come, then they go, you know, they might be back next Sunday, they, you know, but the tour may not come through next Sunday for them, you know, they may have somewhere else to be or something else to do. You know, you can't build ministry and relationship out of that. You can't build a, a strong uh, service to uh, the community. You can't build worship out of that. You've got to have some people who have this. And everybody has this, but you got to have the people who are willing to embrace that responsibility. And you know, we, we don't really want to really like that. And it's not that, Hey, the tourists, you know, if you're a tourist this morning, we're glad that you're here. Hope you keep coming back. But I hope eventually you accept the responsibility that God has given to you because, uh, you know, our church needs it. If this isn't the church for you, then wherever you're supposed to be, they need it. But that's where it began, but that's not where it ended because as uh, I've been studying, you know, and preparing these messages, you know, it's not just, you know, the, the, these responsibility issues that I've dealt with last Sunday, we're going to deal with today with the women. It's not just truths that help us build a strong church, but it's also truths that will help you build a strong marriage, help you build a strong family, help you, you know, if you're a, if you're a small business owner, it's, it'll help you build a great small business. All of these truths, because we're not just, you know, we're not just church members. I'm not just a pastor. We're parents, grandparents, some of us, and we're, we're you know, uh, also we're children. We've all got parents, and we have responsibilities. We're brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles, nieces, nephews, and we have responsibilities, all those people. We're co-workers, we're neighbors, you know, we're uh, members of the community. Hopefully most of us are upstanding members of the community. But because of all those things, we have responsibility. And in every, every one of those places, th these truths of, uh, of the responsibilities that God gives us and what was required of us, 
are the things that are going to make those places awesome places for us to live. And, you know, and some of us, we hate our jobs, right? Uh, nobody, amen, but I saw some heads go up and down. We hate our jobs, you know. But uh, one of the things that can make that job a place, I mean, you got to live there so many hours. Away. One of the things that can make those, that job that you have that you hate a much better place to go and a place to live is by embracing the responsibility God has given. You'd be amazed that even, even a bad job at how awesome God can make it if you'll just embrace the responsibility. It is so easy. It's so easy to just shirk that and say, well, no, I'm not going to do that or I don't want to. And listen, we're going to read, um, we're going to read an entire chapter this morning and it's, it's not, it's not real long. The verses are real short. We're going to read an entire chapter because, because that's a lot of what we're doing in our society today. And we're seeing this a lot in churches today as well. It's almost as if we're getting out a, a, you know, a black magic marker. We're just scratching out the places in the word that we don't believe in anymore. But can I tell you this? We're not going to vote today on whether God's word is true. Not going to, you know, not going to take up a ballot at the end of the service. You don't have a little keypad back there to punch A, yeah, I believe that, B, I don't believe that at all, C, jury's still out, I'll think about it later and let you know. We're not going to vote on that because even if we were to vote on it today and 100% of us were to say, no, this right here does not, is not true. The word of God right here in this place is not true. Even if we vote 100% that it's not true, God's word stands on its own. He doesn't have to have our approval for something to be true. It is true because it came out of his mouth and it always will be true. And so when we look at these things, it may not be the most exciting thing for some of it until you get the attitude. You remember me talking to you about it? And I, I, I told on you last or in the early service this morning. You remember last week I asked how many softball players there were? You know, I got a few of you raise your hand, and I talked about, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the game, you know, last, uh, the bottom of the last inning, you know, two outs, bases are loaded. And how many of you want to go up to bat and nobody raise their hand? I told everybody in the early service this morning, I said, there were a bunch of weenies in that second service, and nobody wanted to go. Man, that's, that's what you live for. You know, you, you, you want to do that. You know, and, and it's so easy to look to, at Scripture, you know, and, and, and say, oh, man, it just seems, oh, it's, that's not a heavy thing. You know, here's what I'm, I'm hoping. This is what I'm praying. And this has been on my, I, I was, I was just trying to think, probably, probably nearly 20 years this has been on my heart because I was a youth pastor before I was a pastor. Is God, please give us women. Ladies, mothers, spouses who will step back into the place of their responsibility that God gave to them to raise our kids. And I don't mean just my two. I mean raise our kids around us, raise the young. Give us men and give us women who are willing to be parents and willing, but, but and not just to their own kids, but willing to be responsible to those other kids in the church that don't have parents or, or don't have godly parents or, or even those that, that have godly parents but that are shirking their response. Give us men and especially women today. God, give us those that won't scratch out and say, that's not a part that I believe in the Bible. We'll say, this is what God has called me to do, and I'm ready to step up to the plate. Because in a lot of people's lives today, there are two outs, and they're behind, and it's almost over. And if they don't get somebody willing to step up to the plate in a hurry, it's going to be over in their life. We need some women. We need some women. You know, you need to be the woman. You know, like we say, be the man. You need to be the woman. And step up to where God has called you. Let's pray. Let's ask God to please stir us today. God, I ask you, Lord, and this is, this is almost a selfish prayer. I ask you to stir the women in this house today, young and old, moms, uh, grandmoms, uh, spouses. I ask you to stir them today in this place. 
God, it's selfish because, God, I, want, I need them, Lord. I need them to step into the place where they're supposed to be. God, what you call them to in these scriptures that we're going to read today. I ask your Holy Spirit to just stir them, Lord, to, to, to not let them shirk the responsibility. If there's one God that has taken it easy and has, and has ignored that, God, show them today the place that you've called. And God, give them that desire, Lord, to, to, to go to the plate, God, and to, and to be the woman that they're supposed to be, God, because, before it's too late for for uh, some young girl, Lord, in our in our church, or Lord, some young girl in, in their family, Lord, or or, or in, in their world, Lord, somewhere during the week. I just pray, God, your Holy Spirit will stir that in us, and God, give us give us great women at Church 2911. I, I ask that, God, I, I say it, I speak it prophetically in Jesus' name, that you would give us strong women, Lord, at Church 2911 to lead, Lord, the younger women, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. We need it. Your family needs it. Let's go to the, uh, to the book of Titus, chapter 2. And I'm going to read this entire chapter. Because here's the thing I want you to see. is I want you to see there is a lot of responsibility. And you want to hear it a lot in church anymore. We don't talk about responsibility. We don't talk about the blessing. Let me say this before I say it. I hadn't said this in a long time. And I thought about it. I needed to throw it in at the early service. I need to throw it in here too. Because some of you hadn't been around long enough to hear me say this. It's been a long time since I said it. Grace is free. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Shout. Run the aisle. And all that kind of stuff. Grace is free. You know, I didn't have to do anything for it. I've got salvation. I'm on my way to heaven one day. But what about now? You go to a, a drive through fast food restaurant and you order a hamburger. You, you know, what do they ask you right after you order the hamburger? You want what? You want fries with that? Exactly, right? And in the same way, you know, grace is free. And so we come to church and say, oh, God, thank you. for. I need your grace. Thank you, God. Give me more of your grace. Today. I messed up this week. I need some more of your grace. And it's like God says, okay, but you want blessings with that? You know, because the grace is free. But there are so many blessings. There are dream- God is dreaming such huge dreams for your life. He is dreaming dreams that are higher than any dream you can ever dream for your life. Your mom and dad didn't dream as big as God is dreaming for you. And all this good stuff that God wants to do in your life. But you can't have it free. Grace is free. Eternity one day. Getting to heaven and not having to die in a devil's hell and all that. That's free. But living right now today, having the blessing, having his dream, having the favor, having the goodness, having the, having the marriage you want to have, having, having the relationship that you want to have, having the, the financial blessings that you want to have, having the, all the stuff, the, the relationships at work and the good job and all those other things, those things don't just come free. And sometimes we get a little spoiled because, you know, we get salvation grace free. And then we, we kind of just want to sit back and let God bring the rest of it. And it doesn't come that way. Somebody's got to step up to the plate today. Somebody's got to be responsible. And so we got to look to the scripture and see some of this. Now, last week I talked to the men and I, I don't really know why. I've got an idea and I'm a man so I can say this, but I think the reason God gave us a parable, I mean, we used the, the life story of King Ahab as a parable last week. I think because a lot of times we men, we're kind of like, okay, I, I, I see that's in the word of God, but what's in it for me? And sadly, that's kind of the way we are sometimes. Like, what's in it for me? And so we had to look at his life and see that, hey, if you don't accept the responsibility, boom, 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 here's the destruction that is coming to your life. But today we don't have a parable, so I don't know if God's saying, you women, you're, you know, y'all aren't into as much of this what's in it for me as you're just willing to hear what God says. I don't know, but you know, if so, then you need to just say, okay, well, I'm ready to hear what God says because that's all I'm, I'm just coming to you with a straight, simple word of God today. No parables, just, just what he said. And look at Titus chapter 2. First thing he does is he, he tells Titus. He gives Titus some responsibility. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. 
Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything. Even slaves, God requires and gives them responsibility. Don't talk back to your masters. And don't steal from them, but show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no. Everybody say no. Now, if I ask you to keep the nursery this afternoon or or this next week sometime, you know what? Most of you know how to say no, right? But do you know how to say no to yourself? Can you say no to yourself? That that is one of the defining characteristics of immaturity is someone who cannot say no to themselves. And uh, and if if you're dating somebody that cannot say no to themselves, then run, run, and run before they give you a ring or ask you for one. You need to learn to say no. Teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all the wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. These are just one chapter worth of responsibilities. Now, a little bit of background here. Paul, you know, he was an evangelist who went around uh, pretty much all of the Roman Empire, and he would just preach. And sometimes he would just preach in the city street. He would preach in the square or whatever. And people would accept Jesus Christ, come to know him, and he would begin training them, and they would establish a church. And uh, when he would establish a church, he would go on to the next city, and he would have to leave people in, in charge. Titus was one that he left in charge in Crete. And so now he's writing this letter, and that's what we have here is the letter that he wrote to Titus saying, okay, here's the things you're going to need to deal with, Titus. And one of the things he had to remind him of was how evil or how wicked or how unrighteous, unholy the people on Crete were. In chapter 1, he says, even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith. You know, here's what he's saying is don't, you know, just just tiptoe around the issues. They're lazy. They're gluttons. They're just brutes. I mean, they, they, they don't, they don't have, you know, any, any righteousness about them. None, none of that nature is in them right now. So you can't just say, well, here's what God would really have you do in this situation. You're going to have to rebuke them sharply, draw the line, say, here's what it's going to take. If you want blessings with that grace that you got for free, this is what it's going to take. And so he said, rebuke them sharply. Tell them exactly what it, I'm t- I want to tell you today exactly what it's going to take. Can you get to heaven without fully accepting all of your responsibility? Yeah, I, I, I believe you can because grace is free, but it's going to be a tough road to hold between here and there. 
You're going to have a whole lot of trouble. There's not going to be any blessings. There's not going to be a lot of promise. There's not going to be any dreams fulfilled. You're not going to have all these good things that God wants you to have here and now. But you got your eternal salvation. It's waiting on you one day if you can just, you know, just, just hang on till you get there, you know. These things that I'm telling you today, I'm telling you so that your life can be full. I'm telling you so that you can have the dream. I'm telling you so you can have the blessing. I'm telling you so that it, it can. So all these things that aren't working in your life, you need to apply these things. And today we're talking to the women. Okay, so let's begin. Let's go back and look at verses 3, 4, and 5 because these are the ones where we, re- we want to preach this morning. And it says, likewise, teach the older one. Now, I had a question here. What does Titus know that he could tell old women? You know, you ever think, what, what does Titus know that he could tell some old women? I mean, a 20-something-year-old man, what does he know to tell an old woman? I told one story about a lady that we lived next door to when we pastored Gardendale. Uh, there was a field between our houses. And uh, let me tell you another little story about Sister Graves. Now, she was about 93, I think, 90, maybe 95 when she passed away, something like that. And, uh, and, and, and just story after story I could tell you about her, just sweet, precious lady. And, and uh she she still did everything for herself pretty much up until she just, she just got so sick that uh, she began having some problems that she couldn't. But I remember uh, one day that uh, her niece, uh, she was worried about, because she was still cutting her grass, pushing a lawnmower. You know, she was still doing this at 90-something years of age, still cutting her grass. And so the niece sent her husband down there, you need to go cut Sister Grace, Aunt Turk's what she called. You need to go cut Aunt Turk's grass. Don't let her get out there. She's going to fall one day. She's going to break a leg or da 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 whatever. And so he went down there to cut the grass. And she didn't like it that he showed up with his lawnmower. He backed it down off. That She didn't like it that he was there to cut the grass. That was what she did. She could handle that. She was old enough. And so, but he said, no, I'm, we're going to do this because we're afraid to do it. So-and-so and so-and-so, you know, it might happen to you and all this and all this. And so he, you know, cranked it up and he started cutting grass. And he, he made two or three little turns around. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he couldn't, couldn't find her. Couldn't, where, where's she at? And then he turned around and looked, and finally he caught a, got a glimpse of her, and she was behind him with her push more fixing what he hadn't done exactly right. And so he just spun around there, rolled, rode his uh, lawnmower back on top of the trailer, turned it off. He said, when you get ready for me to cut your grass, give me a call. And he left and went home. You know, I, I mean, what, what could a 27-year-old tell, a, tell an old lady that had lived all of her lives all those many years and doing all those things all the way herself? What, what, could, what could Titus tell all these older women? He had some things to tell them. Because they, had, they didn't know some things. So teach, teach the older women. Now, I've got to tell you this also. When we're talking about older women, what do you think about? Now, no, some, you know, don't, don't, don't answer. Because <laughs> you'd have hurt somebody's feelings sitting real close to you if you'd have said a number right then, okay? Because somebody would look to you and say, I, that's not old because I'm a lot closer to that than you think. And i tell you what. i tell you, those of you who are about 30, he's talking to you right there. Older women. Yeah. Because they didn't, they didn't live the, the, the ages that you and I live today. Oh, I mean, if you lived to be 50 or 60 years old, you were an older, older woman. I mean, you were aged. You know, you were, you were elderly. You know, we'd, we'd tell like Sister Grave stories when she was in her 90s. We'd be telling those about you when you were 50. So we're talking about 30-somethings here. And maybe even some early 20-somethings. I mean, if they were getting married when they were 14 years old, that was, that was very common for them to get married when they were 14 years old. By the time they were 20, they had five kids, you know. You know, by the time they were, by the time they were uh, 30 years old, they could be a grandmom. Okay, so we're talking about, we're talking about late 20s and early 30s. So 30-somethings, that's who we're talking about. So don't you pass this off and say, oh, well, he's right now, he's talking to the 80-something-year-olds. No, I'm talking to you. We're talking to those who have been around just a little while. Not talking about those who've been around the block 400 times, but you've been around the block. You've been here just a little while. You have some responsibility. Let me show it to you. Teach the older women. 
First of all, three things to teach them. Be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Okay, so the first thing, what does he say? He says, older women, are you 30-somethings, okay, <laughs> or, or late 20-somethings, older women, first of all, be reverent. But he doesn't just say be reverent. He says, be reverent in your lives. You know, not just here when we stand in church, be be reverent. Not when we're singing songs, not when the pastor is preaching, be reverent, sit still, don't, you know, don't be, you know, gossiping and texting on the phone, you know. Not just be reverent right here, not just when we're praying, be reverent in your lives. And let me tell you, there, there is, there is a famine in this world today of ladiness. We need God to, to bring some ladies back. And we, need to, we need to be birthing some ladies. We need some, some ladiness back into our society today. You know what? It's not going to happen from a lot of the other areas. I think I'll just skip a picture right there. Is it later? Okay. I lost my place right there. But there, this, and it's not going to happen. I'll show it to you. Just, it's not going to happen from here in this society today. Where's it going to happen? It's going to happen when, when, when the women, the, the older women, or the, can I say the, the not real, real, real young women, when they step back into the place they're supposed to be in training the younger women, that's when the reverence is going to come back. So that they be reverent, that they, um, they're not slanderous, they're not gossips, and you can define that word however you want to define that word. Here's what he's talking about, though, is that they should not use their mouth to destroy other people. And you can do that even with the truth. I mean, I know the legal definition of slander is that, you know, one of the defenses is if you say something that's true, you can't be sued for slander. Hey, this is not a court of law. This is about what is right. It's not about whether you injured somebody and they can sue you or not. This is about what is right. God says, don't use your mouth for communication that will destroy some, and don't use your text either or your, your tweets or anything. You know, you should not be communicating something that is destroying something else. You know, because this is not who we are. As Christian women, this is not who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be reverent in every part of your life, and you're not supposed to be having any kind of evil or condemning com, uh, communication coming out of your uh, out of your mouth. And don't be addicted to wine. Now, I've I've always got to qualify this a little bit because everybody says, "See, they drank wine, so why can't we have some?" Well, you know what? The reason they drank wine is they didn't have coke. They didn't have sweet tea, okay? They drank wine. But here's what he's saying is don't be addicted to it. Here, and here's how this would translate into today's language. Don't be involved in recreational drinking. You know, that's what he's saying. That's what he was saying to them is, you know, you have, you have to have a little sip of something, you know, to get your food down. Okay, we, you've got to, but they, you should not be involved in anything that, and, and here's the thing about addictions. You know, I, I believe this. I, this is a little part of my theology. I, I believe that there are tens of times uh, as many ways to, to sin today as there were back in those days. I mean, just think about all the, all the different addictions that you could have today. There are dozens and dozens of addictions today that they didn't deal with, and all of them are aren't chemical. I'll give you a rule of thumb. If you ever say, I have to, then you're addicted. You know, when you say, I have to get home because I got to see my show, you're addicted to your show. If you say, I can't do this because I got to go do this, or I got, I've got to have this, or I've got, if you, then you're addicted to it. There's a sale down at so-and-so store and I got to get, you're addicted to it. If you ever say, I gotta have, you know, just like the guy who, who, who has to hurry out the door and say, I gotta have a cigarette because he's addicted to nicotine. If you have to go and do anything, if you have to, then you're addicted to it. If it's something that rules your life, controls your life, and here's what he's saying. This is not who we are, women of God. 
That's not who, we're not supposed to be under the, but as the word of God, you remember where it says, be ye filled with the spirit. You're not supposed to be under the control of any such thing like that. Don't be controlled by any substance or any other thing. You're supposed to be filled with the spirit. If you're addicted to, if you're addicted to a show, you're addicted to a chemical substance, you're addicted to even a friendship. If you're addicted to something that you've got to have, that's not who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. This is what he says specifically to the not-so-real-real-young ladies. But then what does he tell them? He says, now, teach. Teach them what? Now, teach who? Teach the young. Okay, so that means the rest of this applies to every lady because you're either a a young lady that needs to be taught this or you're a not-so-real-real-young lady that needs to be teaching this. You know, you're an old lady at 27 or 28. You know, you'd be headed into middle age if you were 25 years old, you know, in those days. They didn't really have a middle age. But teach what is right. What is right? They're not going to get that in the world. They're not getting, they're getting a diet of what is right, but they're not getting a diet of what God said is right. And I mean, the Kardashians are not going to tell our young ladies what is right and how they're supposed to live our lives. As a matter of fact, they're telling them just the opposite. What they're telling them is in direct contrast to the Word of God. And so, and the Word of God is teaching us through Titus, hey, listen. You 20-something and 30-something-year-old ladies, you need to be telling. And you know what? When you say, i got to hurry home because i got to see them Kardashians tonight. i got to see what they're doing. When you're telling them, you know what you're telling the younger ladies? You're telling them this is what it means. They're trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian wife, a Christian mom, a Christian lady. And you're saying, i got to hurry home so that I can catch up on. And listen, it's, this isn't the worst show that's out there. I've never seen the show, so I don't know how bad it is. And so, you know, if it's not as bad as people tell me it is, come tell me after church and I'll apologize next week. But I've heard, I've heard just a, a lot of the stuff that they do and a lot of the things that they're involved in. And, you know, and I see them very regularly on the front of, of tabloids, you know, down at the Dollar General. So, you know, I see a whole lot, you know, I read some headlines and I know that, and you know what, this isn't the worst show, but this is one that's right in the middle of everything that we're involved in out there. And, you know, you could change the channel say, well, we're not going to watch them and go to another channel. That, there is nowhere on TV they're going to learn what is right unless they can find a good preacher somewhere on TV that is, is not just building up himself but is really serious about what God is saying. And the place, they're, you know where they're going to learn it? Oh, well, they're going, oh, I know, we need to bring them to church. Yeah, we need to bring them to church. We need to raise them in Sunday school, children's church and those kinds of things. But what they need more than anything right now, our young ladies need the not so real, real young ladies to step back into the place that God has called them and begin to tell them what is right. Man, I was pray- when we were praying at the close of the early service this morning, I was, I, was just rem- I was just remembering the ladies that had so much to do with my upbringing. Now, my mom, you might have heard me say, my mom and, um, and her three sisters, they all married men that weren't Christians. And they had to do a lot of praying to get their husband saved. And my, my cousin, he, he got a phone call one day, and, and uh, his mom got a phone call. He answered the phone, and they said, well, is your mom there? Can she come to the phone? He said, no, she's in her bedroom hollering at God. He, that's, what, that's what I remember about my mom when I was a kid. I mean, I remember a lot of things, but I remember my mom being in the bedroom hollering at God and calling my name out before God and saying, oh, God. Protect him because the devil wants to destroy his life and calling the names of my two little brothers and calling the name of my dad who wasn't a Christian when I was a kid. 
And everybody jokes that she prayed too hard because God didn't just save him, also saved him and called him into the ministry. And she had to follow him around in the ministry as well. But, but I, I remember that. I remember people. I remember one time I just had a, a horrible situation and, uh, that was in my life. And, and uh, I, I was in a church service and, and uh, I went to the altar and I was praying. I was just asking God, just help me with a situation in my life. I was a teenager. I, I don't know, probably. 15, 16 years old, something like that. And, and I remember as I was praying, I could, while I was praying, I was just really into, into my praying. I mean, I, I, I wasn't open my eyes, looking around, seeing what was going on. You know, I was into my praying, but I heard my mom's voice and I heard my dad's voice. And I heard this voice of this lady. I didn't know who in the world this lady was. It wasn't until sometime later that, that I was uh, a youth pastor at the first church that I served uh, full time. It was Caffey Junction Church of God down, uh, down past McCullough. And I met this lady. I recognized, I recognized her immediately. Her name was Sister Nally. Sister Nally. She didn't know me, but she was in that same service where I was pouring out my heart to God because I had a problem I needed him to fix. And you know what she did? She didn't say, well, he's not my child. She didn't say, well, that little boy, he's not my grandson. But she was there in the altar praying. I, I thought so many people, you know, could roll through my mind of all the, all the ladies that taught Sunday school and children's church and, and, and vacation Bible schools when I was growing up. And, and you know, and, and I want to, I actually preached a message one time. The title was, Where Are the Sister Nallies for This Generation? Well, that's an exciting title, isn't it? But think about, where's the Sister Nallies for, for our little, little young ladies over here? That they don't know what, what is the right because, because we're sitting still with our mouths shut thinking, oh, well, we can't offend anybody. The devil offends me every day. I don't know why we can't offend some of his crowd. You know, I don't know why we can't stand up for what is right because he's standing up for what is wrong. He's yelling it in my face. He's throwing it in my face. He's spitting in my face with all of his falsehood. I don't know why it's, why it's wrong then for us to stand up and say, no, this is what God says in His Word. We need some ladies to step back into the place of responsibility that God has given to you as a big sister to all of these. You know, and here's the way I read this Titus chapter 2. And you, all these other verses of Scripture, you can go through the, a lot of the New Testament, is that we, every one of us, male and female, we all have responsibility for everyone who is younger than us in the Lord. That means that if I'm a 14-year-old boy, I have responsibility for my little brothers and sisters because they are younger than me. We all have responsibility, and we need some people to step back into the place of responsibility. It's the only way they're going to learn. They're not going to learn it from any of these places. Train them in their responsibilities. Here's some of the things you've got to train them in. Teach them what is right. Train them in responsibilities. He's talking mostly about their family responsibilities right here. Teach them how to love their husband and their wives. Now, the, the word here is not agape. We're going to talk about agape in a couple of Wednesday nights in the relationship thing. And, and that, it's, it's a, a, a great love. It's a, it's a godly love. But this is the philos is, is what is used here. Okay, and, when, and uh, the, he, the Greek word that is used there is philos, which is Philadelphia, the brotherly love. And you know what? What is brotherly love? Think about what brotherly love is. You know, brotherly love is not emotional. Brotherly love is not sexual. Brotherly love is when you get out in the community and do something for somebody, right? You have brotherly love. And that's the kind of love he's talking about here. He says, we, we need some of you not so real, real young ladies to teach the younger ladies, whether they're married yet or they're going to get married, how to love their husbands. And, and the way we need to translate this is with a, a showing of affection, to show their affection. It's not okay for you to just say in your heart you love your husband and slap him upside the head when he says something stupid. I mean, you've got to, you need to show the affection. That's what philos is. 
It's to show the affection. We need some older to teach the younger how to show the affection of love to their husband. Because it's not always easy, is it? Wednesday night, David said she loved me all the time. She was always in love with me, but she wasn't always in like with me. It's okay, y'all can laugh. <laughs> I did, so y'all can. And I, knew, I know that, it's tough sometimes. And not just husbands, but, but children. They need to know how to love their children. Because, you know, there's a lot of falsehood out there about how we're supposed to love our children as well. I mean, we don't understand it. We got women. We got women on both ends of the spectrum. We need. We need some. We need some teachers to step back in here and say, "Here, let me let me tell you about love and, and what loving your children is." Because we've got we got some mothers that they dote on them. Anything they want, they give them, and they just you know they, they just dote on their little brats. I mean, their little precious little children, you know. And then we've got the other mothers on the other end of the spectrum. They, they don't have any idea what their four year old is doing, what wall they just climbed, you know, and where they've been for the last half hour. And when they become teenagers, they won't know where they are. They won't know who they're hanging out with. They won't know who their friends are. They, don't know, they won't know what time they come home. And so we've got both ends of the spectrum. And you know why? It's not because of God's Word, because God's Word gives us a plan of how to fix this. And you know what it is? It's for those of you who aren't real, real young anymore to step back into the lives of those who are and say, hey, let me talk to you a little bit about it. You say, oh, they won't listen to me. That would just be, that'd just be stepping. No, I'm not telling, you don't, you don't become their judge. You don't become their policeman, but you just say, hey, can I have lunch with you? Can we go get, get a cup of coffee one day? And not because you see them doing wrong. Go find somebody who's doing right and say, hey, you're doing so awesome, but you're 16 years old. Let me tell you some stuff that's coming up in the next five years. Come on, women. How many of you would like to have had a woman tell you that? And have breakfast with you, a cup of coffee with you a couple of times. And just share our young women are literally, spiritually dying because they don't have that in their life today. Train them. Encourage them to be self-controlled. Don't have time to I'm out of time. Self-control. We don't have, know how to say no to ourselves anymore. To be pure. It's, let's talk about a moral purity, specifically sexual purity. What are we teaching our kids? You know what the world's teaching them? To dress like... You fill in the blank. Come on, somebody say amen or owe me or something. We need to, that's not who we are as Christian men and women. Let me tell you something, young ladies. If, if, a, if, a, if a not so real, real young lady won't step up and tell you this, let me tell you this. You're dressing to look older than you are. Let me tell you, there's a lot of perverts out there. When they see a 13 year old dressed like a 21 year old, they're not thinking 21 year old. They don't care. There's a lot of perverts that are out there like that. Let me tell you something else. Even, even for those that aren't perverts out there, when you dress in a certain way and you entice a young man to lust after you, when you cross the line from trying to be beautiful to trying to be seductive, or even if you're not trying to but you know you are and you don't do anything about it, you have crossed the line into sin because you are now a stumbling block. You might as well be walking around handing out handfuls of illegal drugs to people as well because you're doing no different. If you're dressing in such a way that is leading. I, I'm, I'm sorry you had to hear that in front of a bunch of men, but you know what? They needed to hear it too. And let me tell you something, young men. Just because they dress that way doesn't give you permission. You need to learn to say no too. Doesn't give you permission to even think it. Doesn't give you permission to look. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what anybody, how anybody dresses and what they look like walking in front of you. You still have to be the man to say no to yourself and say, I will not look, I will not touch, and I will not think in those terms. Because that's not who we are as Christian men and women. We need some moms and dads. We need some moms to step back in. 
Need some uh, busy at home. The King James calls it keepers at home. That doesn't mean we want to keep you at home. Okay, but the nature of a woman is to nest. Proverbs 14. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. What are you doing this moment, right now, this day, to build your house, ladies? What are you doing to tear it down? Stop it! You know, kind. Back to ladiness right here. It is not okay for you to be unkind. It is not Christian. It is not ladylike. It, it is nothing about God for you to be unkind. We need to learn kindness again and subject to their husband. And that doesn't mean what you think it means. Okay? It doesn't mean what, it does not mean boss. It does not mean Lord. It does not mean master. It does not mean slave owner. It does not mean those things. We've got to get a totally different context of what this means. It has been mispreached. It has been mistaught. It has been misused. It has been abused. That is not what it means. We, we kind of relate that because you go back to Ephesians, the scriptures that we read last week. You, you see where he's talking about the, the children, how they're supposed to obey their dad and their mom. And, so, and then we see how the, the wives are subject or su- submissive in a way to their husbands. And so we relate those and say, oh, well, then she's got to bow down to whatever you want, your lordship. No, that's not what it's talking about here. It, relate it more, to, okay, instead of relating it to that relationship of a, of a child and their parent, relate it to this relationship. I'm the pastor of this church. You are submitting yourself to me by sitting still and listening to what I say today. Not because I'm the smartest guy in the room, right? No, I'm glad none of you said amen. That's because my brother is not in the room right now. <laughs> I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm, I'm not even necessarily the guy that understands the most about Scripture, and I don't have, it's not because I've got a, a more direct line to the throne room of God and I can get a message to him and back quicker than the rest of you can. That's not why. You know why? Simply this. Because God is a God of order and he requires responsibility. And in this relationship, I, I told someone this this week, I was meeting with somebody and I said, we had a, I was a pastor at church one time and I said, we had a guy that would follow. If we had anybody that was not white, Caucasian, Anglo-Saxon. If we had somebody that was not white visit our church, he would, he would follow them and find them in a place where they were alone that he could tell them they weren't welcome. Now, when we found out about that, you know what? God has to deal with him, right? But when I found out about it, if I didn't deal with it and it happened again, God's going to deal with me because I'm the responsible one. And so that's, you know, I'm the responsible one. So the submission is not about who's smartest, it's not about who's always got the best plan. It's not about who can get a, a message to God and back faster than anybody else. The, 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 the submission is because of responsibility. I'm the one that's responsible for this. And so the only way this thing is going to work is for you guys to come in here and submit to me while I'm preaching to you. That's the only way it's going to work. You ever heard that saying that anything with more than one head is a monster? Boy, and I've seen some marriages with two heads. And that's all they did constantly, just beat one another to death killing one another. It's not about lordship. It's not about, it's not about uh, being a master. It's not about being a slave. It's not about being a servant. It is simply about those two words. God is a God of order and responsibility. And we guys have a lot more responsibility in the family to God than the woman does. And it is because of this heavy-duty responsibility that there has to be this type of submission. I don't have time to talk about that anymore, but you've got questions, i got answers. Okay? 
subject to their husband. Come on, Jamie, let's close this out. <laughs> I, I, I know, and I want, I want to back up and deal with something. I almost got ahead of myself with this. I want to back up and deal with this right here. I want, I want, I want you to listen to me, ladies. And even to the very youngest, because I told you, I believe you have responsibility even to your little brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews. you got responsibility to everyone younger than you. You might not be able to tell somebody five years older than you, hey, this is what has worked for me and this is what the Word of God says, but you have responsibility for everyone younger than you. And now you say, well, they're not going to listen to me. (sighs) Yes, they will. There are young ladies in this church dying for a few moments of your time. Oh, they are beyond thirsty. They're starving to death for some attention of a godly woman. You say, well, but they wouldn't listen to me, so I just keep my mouth shut because they won't listen. And they don't know that they're doing wrong. God will probably straighten it out before they mess up too bad. They're just following their heart. Somewhere along the line, They'll probably turn around. Let me draw you another picture. Same argument that you would make. After church, you're standing out there on the concrete steps. The door flies open, and a four-year-old child runs out the door, headed for the road. You fold your hand and say, well, they wouldn't listen to me. I'm not their mom, so... No reason for me to call them back because they wouldn't, they wouldn't come back. They wouldn't listen to me. And after all, they, they're not running down there with the intention of getting hurt. They hear the cars going by and the horns blowing and maybe a dog across the street. And they're just, they're just running that way because they're enjoying God's life, this beautiful day that he's given them. And so, you know, I'm not their mom. I'm not responsible. And, you know, They'll probably turn around before they get out in the street anyway. Is that what you would do? Then why do we do that? Oh, the question is, how do we do that spiritually? Because you know what those young ladies are running toward. Just as much as you know the danger in that street, you know the danger that these younger ladies are running toward. And I don't give a rip whether you're their mom or not. God's got you in their life. You got to stand up and say something when it's the right time. Invite them out for a cup of coffee or a snow biz or something, whatever they're into. Oh, but they're just no, no. There are no excuses. Did you did, did you read with me Titus chapter two? Did he say except in the case where no older ladies, those of you who are not so really really young, teach, train. Encourage. Those are the words he used. Teach, train, encourage. You know what that entailed? That means he didn't say, tell them. He said, teach, train, and encourage. That sounds like responsibility, involvement, connection. I want to ask, you know, and I, I tried to figure out how to say this. I want to ask, all the 30 and above ladies to come stand with me first. And if you consider yourself not so really, really, really young anymore, if you're a 29, you want to come with these ladies, you come on too. 
I want, but I, I, I want the ladies who really know that they're in this crowd of responsible to speak. I want you to come. Like I said, if you're 27, 28, and you know that, hey, I've, I've been around a couple block a couple of times, it's time for me to step into this place. Come on down with them. Ladies, don't be scared of me. I've said all the bad stuff I'm going to say. Come on, step this way. Come on. I want all the rest of the young ladies to come, if you will. Would everyone come? All the ladies. I want you to get behind these, these awesome women that came first. I want you to put your arm around them or lay your hand on their shoulder or their back or something. We will pray for them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for them that God will make them the woman you need them to be in your life. You know, can I tell you something? My job at this church is going to be a whole lot easier when we get women begin to fulfill what God has called it. Oh, but I've got too much to do. I don't have time to commit to something like that. You don't have time to commit to growing great women of God? Oh, come on. I said I said all the bad things I was going to say. Help me, God. Come on. Trace's job is going to be so much easier when we have women step back into the place they're supposed to be. That's our student pastor, for those of you that don't know. Our kids' church, Kristen and the word, their job's going to be so much easier when women step back into the place they're supposed to be and they start teaching the younger women. And we start training them. Not once they've made mistakes. We start training them early, young. Take time with them. Invite them out to a cup of coffee or one of those things. Oh, it's going to be so much easier. Guys, come on. Let's get behind these women. If you've got somebody here you're connected to in some way, get behind them because your life, guys, your life's going to be easier. The more they, more they are able to do their job that God has called them to, it's going to make your life easier. Come on, let's pray. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. Ladies, let's do it.